Thursday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, to save 15%. Once again, your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. It is Thursday, which means my weekly MMA conversation with Will Brewer. Hey, Will Brewer, what is happening, my friend? Man, we're getting down to the end of the week, man. It's exciting. We're ready for this pay-per-view this weekend, man. It's all I've been able to think about this week. UFC 262 is here. I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. Um, this card is absolutely loaded. And when you think about the fact that it should have also included Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian on top of all the picks or all the fights that we're going to pick a little bit later. Holy cow. Like when this card was announced a couple months ago, you and I were both like, this card is full of blockbusters, and it's still really good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I still really like this card. But, again, you take those four individuals off the off the card, it uh, it hurts a little bit. Yeah, because you, you're not just taking off four regular guys. You're taking off um, a superstar in Nate Diaz. You're taking off a guy who's on a, a huge unbeaten streak in Leon Edwards. You're taking off a guy who's been uh, in the main event in Jack Hermanson and a, and a rising prospect in Evan Shabazian. So like so many, uh, so many things can go into these fights and the, both these fights were so entertaining or could be so entertaining. And it just sucks that both these fights are off, especially with Leon and Nate. Cause there's so many questions with that fight <laughs> that needed to be answered, especially for Leon, the unluckiest guy in the history of the UFC. Cursed. So many questions. We said last so, week he's uh, cursed. It, yeah, man. He, 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 I still think he had to have stepped on a mirror or something, man, because for that guy to be that unlucky, like, that's just insane. And then, uh, you know, Nate Diaz, we know what type of superstar that he is. And, you know, that middleweight matchup, both of those guys needed to win. So I know that both of them were going to come out and fight really hard. So uh, it sucks that we're not getting those fights, but we've got some wars uh, to look forward to this Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we had a big week last week. We had uh, we had Bellator, we had PFL, we had a monster boxing matchup on Saturday night. By the way, let me just we'll, we'll hit that in a second. But let me just say how great it was to watch that thing going on and the seventy five thousand or how, however many people were there just losing their minds. Like I had goosebumps just from the fact that there were fans going crazy in that in uh, in that fight. Man, it, it makes you realize, like, you really haven't seen anything like that in so long. Like, 75,000 fans on their feet screaming, like, when Canelo came out, just uh, the roars that he was getting, when Billy Joe came out, just all the boos he was getting. Yeah. Any punch that Canelo would land, like, the crowd's going crazy. Yeah. Anything that Billy Joe would land, boo. Like, it's just really good to see that fan interaction and just so many, 75,000 just screaming fans. Like, it was just so amazing to see. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And look, for the second pay-per-view in a row, Houston, Texas, we're going to have a building full of UFC fans. So, uh, you know, uh, Michael Chandler, uh, Charles Oliveira, like, I'm really excited to see what that first round is going to look like. And I can only imagine, like, what the what the fanfare is going to be throughout that arena. 
Oh, man, Michael Chandler. I mean, he's got such a following uh, behind him now because he had the most perfect debut that anyone could ever dream up. And now doing what he did on a Conor McGregor card, he's going to have the fans behind him, I feel. Uh, he's going to come out there uh, all calm, just like he's always been. The crowd's going to be behind him. And then, you know, Charles Oliveira, it's a big spot for him, man. I'm excited to see how he fights. Uh, he's been in the, he's been in this game a long time. Yeah. You know, we've heard in interviews from uh, many people how he's been in this game since 2010 in the UFC. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's a big spot for him. I'm curious to see how he's going to fight. But I mean, just the crowd the being crowd. involved in a fight of this magnitude yeah. is going to be great. Absolutely, and the same thing for Tony Ferguson, uh, Benil Dariush. I mean, that that one might actually. Um, be better with the crowd there. I mean, both of those guys are are just, you know, walk through everything being thrown their way uh, type of fighters. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited about this card on Saturday night. All right, let's rewind to last Saturday night. Well, this was a, a weird card. You know, a week ago at this time, we had just found out what the main event was going to be. So, uh, you know, they, they kind of had to scramble to put this whole thing together. Uh, before we uh, start breaking down these fights, I do have to mention, you, uh, you had a three-point lead going into last week's card. You had, you had climbed out of the hole, uh, you regained the lead, and you extended the lead. Uh, so you you currently have a six point lead going into UFC 262 in our pick'em. Uh, you had points from Gregor Gillespie. We both had points from Delima. I had a point from Magny. So we were tied going into the main event, and then we were on opposite sides of that. You took Marina Rodriguez, and you got three solid points out of the main event. So currently, Will Brewer 55, Colby Daniels 49. Six-point lead going into UFC 262. Let me just tell you this. I was one of those guys. This is Marina Rodriguez. I, I read this name. I see Marina Rodriguez. I don't. I was not really trying to care what John Attic and DC and Dominic Crew, all these people were saying with the Rodriguez. Yeah. But then she got me three points. So it's Marina Rodriguez. All right, fair enough. From now, from now until forever. Marina Rodriguez, thank you for getting me three points. There you go. Yes. There you go. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I, I, I had some friends growing up. Uh, their last name was Rodriguez. Spelled the exact same way, and they pronounced it Rodriguez with the R. Uh, and I had always called Marina that as well. And then I noticed uh, in the Amanda Hebos fight that they were kind of stressing that the Rodriguez a little bit more. And so I was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm picking that up a little bit. And then I really noticed it uh, last week when, you know, everybody was talking about this fight. Um, I mean, anybody that covers the UFC, I felt like, was really, like, making it a point to be like, ah, Rodriguez. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so so I made it a point as well just to have fun with it uh, last week to really stress the Rodriguez when I mentioned her name. But, dude, she looked fantastic. Um I thought I thought she won the first four rounds. Um, you know, I gave round five to Michelle Waterson, and actually, I think I texted you going into the fifth. I was like, "This thing's over." Uh, and then Michelle Waterson, you know, stuns her uh, for a minute there. But uh, man, Marina Rodriguez looks uh, she looks like a problem. And obviously, this wasn't the weight class that that they normally fight at. But I can't wait to see what's next for her. I've got an idea as to what I want to see. But tell me your thoughts on Marina. Man, Marina Rodriguez. She looked incredible, man. I mean, just for 
not only her, but Marcella Watterson, they put on a really, really solid main event uh, for it to be just on a week's notice uh, for what they did. You know, they came out, they made the weight, uh, and they put on a really entertaining fight. Uh, five rounds, uh, neither one of them slowed down. Uh, they, it was a mainly a, a striking battle, uh, but Michelle mixed in a, a takedown in one of the rounds. But um, for the most part, they just stood and traded and traded. Um, Marina looked really good, man. Uh, she looks like she could be uh, a contender in this uh, in this division because you know you can get a knockout and everything, but I think she really showed uh, how good that she is, how good her striking is, um, her pursuit of Michelle Watterson. Um, she was always in her face, and when she got her in the clinch, like landed the knees, uh, you know, she she proved like she was she can be very vicious in there, and uh, she can also be very technical as well. So. Uh, I liked what I saw out of Marina. Um, I definitely feel like she deserves a big fight next. Um, there's kind of there's kind of a logjam there at the top, but I, you know, we I've seen I've heard a, a few people say that they would like to see Marina fight uh, Joanna, and I feel like for That's a lot of people, yeah. For a lot of people, like the Mackenzie Derns and the Marina Rodriguez, that's the clear next step is to fight someone to get you to that title shot, that name that gets you to the title shot. And that name for most of these girls is Joanna uh, Jan Jacek. So, um, but it's just tough to say like, w what's next for Joanna? Like, is she gonna wait for the title shot? Because I mean, she is deserving of a title shot if you ask me, um, because of that epic fight with uh, Zhang Wei Li, but also, you know, Mackenzie Dern's out there, uh, Marina Rodriguez, they're, they're looking to move up and move up the ladder. And, you know, they're, they're going to be trying to call out Joanna here soon. But uh, for, for the, the matchup of Marina and Joanna, just the striking matchup that that could be, I feel like that would be a, a very, very solid striking match. And I would love to yeah. see Yeah, I agree. I, and this is coming from a, a big Mackenzie Dern fan. I, I really like what Mackenzie Dern has done recently. But I think stylistically, uh, Marina Rodriguez and, and Yoon Jacek would be, I mean, that would be, you could main event that fight. Uh, whereas stylistically, I don't know that it, it you get the same sort of excitement level for any other matchup. And, you know, for as much as we've talked about this division and this division, obviously with Rose as the champion now, um, you know, has a little bit more spotlight on it. It's, it's by far the most competitive women's division. Um, you know, whether they go with the, the rematch of, of Wei Li, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about Carla Sparza and Jan and the winner of that potentially getting a title shot. Um, to me, it doesn't really sound like Yoon Jacek would be next. Uh, so, I, to me, this makes all the sense in the world to go Marina Rodriguez uh, in that matchup. And again, stylistically, that's that's as good as it gets. I don't think you can make a better stylistic matchup than that one. Yeah, agreed, man. Um, Joanna and Marina, I feel like both both these ladies uh, with the with the Muay Thai background. Uh, just the, the striking chess match that we would see between them. Uh, these are two women who, who are proving that they are just as good as the men when it comes to striking. Uh, it's really it's really beautiful to watch Joanna strike, especially when she's in her groove. And uh, and I feel like Marina showed flashes of that with Michelle. And I and I think if you put her in there with Joanna, we would see it on full display, and it would just be a back and forth battle. Um, I could definitely see it being being a main event. Um, I don't know how it will go, but 
uh, I would be very, very interested in that fight for yeah. sure. I'll tell you this as well. If they decide to give Rose the Yon Carlos Esparza winner, uh, I don't hate a, uh, a Wei Lee Yoana rematch. I mean, obviously, that was one of arguably the greatest female fight in UFC history. Um, so, you know, if, if Wei Lee's not fighting for the belt, not getting her rematch opportunity, that also to me is a no brainer. And once again, a, a fight that can headline a card. Yeah, that fight could definitely headline a card. And that, that this is a fight that absolutely has to happen again. I mean, we've seen fights that have been really good that, you know, there's been one side that doesn't want to do it, one side that wants something else, you know, all this type of thing. But for these two ladies, this is a fight that has to happen again. Uh, I mean, I know Whaley got her hand raised, but there's a, a, a vast majority of the world that believe Joanna won, and same thing for Whaley. So I think uh, it would be good just to see them run it back uh, I think the fans deserve it. I think the, both of them deserve it too. Uh, I would love to see it. For the record, I had Whaley winning that fight, but uh, you're right. I've heard uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I've heard people talk about that fight again, and uh, there are certainly people that that feel like Joanna did enough. So, um, you know, for the for wow. it to be as a fight that was as great as it was, um, and it decided a, a championship, you know, obviously uh, running that back is never a bad thing. I don't know what that, where that leaves Marina Rodriguez necessarily, but I mean, again, in that division right now, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong move to make. Yeah, let me just say this about the fight, man. Watching it live, I had no idea who was actually winning these rounds because they, <laughs> it was just back and forth. Like, I just feel like yeah. half of the round, it was one person, half of the round, it was the other person, and I just couldn't, like... The fight was going on, and, I'm, and it's the championship rounds, and I'm like, damn, who's even winning? Like, is Joanna winning all these rounds? Is it Wei Lee? Is it tied? Like, I had no idea who who, who won. At the end of the fight, uh, Judge uh, Bruce Barber was reading the scorecards, and I assumed it was going to be a split decision. I mean, it just felt like it had those types of vibes. Uh, the crowd was going crazy for him, and uh, for it to be Wei Lee, I mean, she's much, she was much deserving, but it could have definitely been Joanna on that yeah. night. But uh, absolutely, man, uh, this – the, the strawweight division is turning into one of the best divisions in the UFC. Um, definitely the best women's division. Uh, just a lot of a lot of competitiveness at the top of the division with Rose and Joanna, Wei Lee. And now you're getting young, uh, young prospects coming in with Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez. Um, I feel like the UFC is really high on uh, Amanda Hebos as well. You know, she did get knocked out by Marina, but, you know, she's got a lot of potential as well. So. Um, Carla and, and Jan uh, have a big fight coming up. So this division is loaded. So you, like you said, there's no wrong move to make. Um, but I'm sure Marina definitely wants uh, an opponent who's ranked higher than her. Yeah. Michelle Waterson also in that division, as we just saw her against Marina. You mentioned Amanda Hebos. Amanda Hebos and Angela Hill were supposed to fight last Saturday night. That that fight ends, ends up getting moved. Uh, I guess they are still scheduled to fight each other. It's just moved back. Uh, but yeah, that, that division is fantastic. And at the top, like, you know, it's it, it's a really good position to be in when you're a matchmaker and there are so many different things that make sense, right? Like, sometimes I think we see the the chess game played with matchmaking in some of these divisions and it just like, what are they? I don't understand the moves here. I don't understand what they're trying to set up. The good thing, I think, with that division right now, no matter which way you want to play it, I think it's going to work out in a really good way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because you can easily just go with Rose and Wei Lee. No one would have a problem with it. I mean, you can just easily put that rematch out there. 
And then uh, you have a, a big fight with Jan and Carla and have that uh, the winner of that be the next for the title shot. Like, there's just – everything is making sense right now. There's, like, no, like, oh, why? Where is this fight coming from? There's none of that going on. Like, all all of these fights make a lot of sense. Like, Amanda Hebos and Angela Hill, that fight makes a ton of sense. Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez. I'm sorry. Oh, Rodriguez. wow. <laughs> Already. Marina Already. Rodriguez. I oh man, I know. I just want to keep my three points, Marina. <laughs> I just want to keep my three points, but yeah. I uh, think that might be a DQ. Actually, we're taking the three points off the board. <laughs> but man, uh, okay, yeah, Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez, like that fight made a ton of sense uh, for the time. So I feel like just everyone in this division, even Mackenzie Dern and Nina Ansaroff, that fight uh, a few weeks ago, that fight made a ton of sense. Uh, so I feel like they're just hitting, they're just clicking on all cylinders in, in that division. And with Rose as the champion now, uh, I think she's the best of the bunch for sure. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who uh, is next for her. But there's really no wrong answer. Yeah. Uh, final thought on that fight. I just, Marina Rodriguez is absolutely a contender in that division. Uh, she was spectacular, really impressive. And again, you go back to the Amanda Hebos win and parlay that into the success she had on short notice against uh, Michelle Watterson. Uh, awesome job by Marina Rodriguez. All right, our co-main event. Uh, this was a fight where I, I told you last week I had a really bad feeling about it. I, I was already on the opposite side of you in two fights, and I knew I was, no matter who you picked in the main event, I knew I was going to go opposite just because I was so conflicted about that fight and the conditions of this like short notice situation. I was just going to roll with the, you know, the other side of it. So I think strategically I was like, man, I'm already going to have three fights on the other side of the fence. Um, even though I didn't necessarily feel good about Cowboy in this fight, it was one of those deals where, like, you had Cowboy. I want to root for Cowboy to win. Um, it made sense for me to pick him. Uh, man, once again, this was... Uh, it, it just doesn't quite... It just feels like there's something that's that's not right there, right? Just doesn't quite feel like the same guy. Man, I, I, I legit feel like Cowboy is still the same guy, per se, but... It's just people know he gets off to terrible starts, and people are really starting to emphasize that. Like Alex Morono marched forward and threw a – I don't remember if it was right or left, but he threw a haymaker out of the very first punch yeah. uh, in the first two to three seconds. Like people realize that if you want to get Cowboy out of there, you've got to attack him early because, you know, that first round, he, he's a slow starter. He said it. Everyone knows it. So now people are, are starting to really attack him in that first round. They're not letting him get uh, get started. Uh, once Cowboy gets going, once he gets uh, his, his feet moving and he's starting to let those kicks go, uh, there's not much that you can do with with Cowboy. But if you can just uh, stop that, stop all that from the beginning, uh, just have him on his toes, you know, have him worried about getting hit and everything. Um, I, you know, that's the way to beat him. I remember. Um, I remember you texted me before that fight started and you said, I have a bad feeling about this. And I'm like, ah, like, yeah. I feel like Cowboy's just better than him. Uh, you know, this is Alex Morono. I just watched him get beat by Anthony Pettis. Like, I feel like Cowboy should at least be able to, to, to get this one. But Alex went out there and just uh, bulldozed him from the beginning and never let him get started. Uh, and I remember I texted you 
the one time that Cowboy moved his head, you know, he's struggled with head movement his whole career. <laughs> he moved his head one time and then didn't move it again the rest of the fight. And yeah. I'm just like, ah, well, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Alex Morono hit him with that shot and, and got him out of there. But, you know, tough to see Cowboy go out like that. Um, at this point, you know, everyone's talking about retirement. I still think he's got something left in the tank, but he's, he just can't get over that uh, slow start. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, and I, I don't think he's done necessarily. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that I think he just can't fight in the octagon anymore. I think he's still a dangerous opponent, without a doubt. But, I mean, ever since that Tony Ferguson fight, I, I don't know what it is, but I've just had this vibe that maybe he's just like a tick slower or, you know, a small percentage, like, doesn't take the shots as well or so. I don't know. I've just, I've not really felt like he's been the same guy since the Tony fight. And, you know, obviously he's not won since the Tony fight. It's, it's now, uh, what, five, five of six losses. And the only one that wasn't a loss was a draw. And that was the Nico Price fight. So, um, yeah, it's you know it's disappointing because obviously the guy is a, a, a UFC legend. Uh, he's a, a guaranteed Hall of Famer. He's a fan favorite. I mean, everybody loves Cowboy Cerrone. How can you not? But uh, yeah, I, I just don't feel like there's been that same edge to him. Um, you know, going back to the Tony fight. Yeah, and before that, he was on a tear too. Uh, he went back to lightweight. He was trying to get a title shot. I remember he completely decimated Alex Hernandez and decimated Al Quinta. And then, you know, you're thinking like, oh, Tony, like yeah, a I lot of know. momentum at that point. Yeah. A lot of momentum, man. And uh, yeah, you're right, man. I, I don't know if he just, I don't know, if, you know, Tony, cause that fight, remember that he had that big old eye injury and he couldn't open his eye again. Right. He blew uh, his nose. Right. And then the, eye like, that's what it was. He yeah, blew his the eye nose shut. Yeah. And the eye shut. Right. Uh, I mean, that fight was only, like, two rounds, so, like, I'm not sure, like, what changed in that in that fight. But since that fight, it just seemed like he just hasn't been able to take those shots. Like, uh, Gaethje knocked him out. Connor knocked him out. And then from there, you know, Pet, he had a fight with Pettis uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, he didn't look the same in that one. Right. And then just, uh, just every other fight, you know, Nico Price and now uh, Alex Morono, just he hasn't looked like the same guy. I mean, the, the um, Nico Price fight is a loss if Nico Price doesn't lose a point in that fight, right? I mean... Ab- right. Absolutely. So, he, he loses two rounds to one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't so, know. We'll see what the future holds. I, you know, obviously, he said that he wants to, to make another run at 155. Um, we'll see how that works out. I, I hope that... Uh, I hope that's not the last time we see him. And certainly, I hope that's not the the outcome uh, that, you know, he, he ends the UFC career on. But... Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like that matchup for him. I thought it was, you know, Alex Morono comes out and he's he's going to throw a lot. And uh, yeah, round one finish for Alex Morono over Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, all right, Neil Magny, Jeff Neal. Uh, you were pretty decisive on this one. I was pretty decisive on, on my pick as far as this fight went. Uh, how about the fact that we've heard about I, I don't know if you've caught all the stuff about Jeff Neal and, and how sick he was last week. Um, obviously, that that is going to play a factor when you're fighting anybody that's the caliber of Neil Magny or in that division period that's a, a ranked opponent. But um, I thought without that, there were just some obvious disadvantages for Jeff Neal against Neil Magny uh, in this match that, you know, at length being the primary. 
One that, you know, Neil Magny's so great at uh, using that length, being able to touch you. His activity is just off the charts. And then he's like the best ugly. We were texting back and forth about this on Saturday. Neil Magny's the best ugly fight winner in the entire sport, maybe. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever just been wowed by a Neil Magny performance because he doesn't have those those performances where, you know, it's always kind of like he's going to muddy it. He's going to make it ugly and dirty and frustrate you and tie you up. And, you know, the activity is going to be overwhelming at times. And, um, I, you know, I appreciate his style and, and I, I liked him a lot in this fight, but, uh, I, I just thought his style, his length, all of that was going to be a problem for Jeff Neal. I, again, I don't know how much the, uh, the sickness played into this. Obviously it played a big part, but, uh, Neil Magny over Jeff Neal, which I thought was, um, I mean, with relative ease. I, I don't mean like he dominated him, but I never really felt like on the scorecard it was that close. Yeah, agreed, man. Uh, I didn't feel like it was really that close. Uh, uh, I heard today that uh, Jeff Neal was dealing with some with some sickness. And, you know, ever since uh, before the pandemic, uh, he was sick with something. He had like emergency surgery for something like and, and since then he's just been struggling with sickness been in and out of the hospital and everything so um you just hope that jeff neal can uh get back um uh, take care of whatever it is that that's wrong with him and he can get back to fighting how he was before because uh like i said i thought he was the dark horse of the division uh before that like he was getting knockouts um he was way he was way more active before than he was in this fight um and i'm not saying that you know the sickness was the, was the thing that cost him the fight, but yeah. um, the, the length of Neil Magny uh, definitely played a part in that because you know it's hard to reach him uh, and his movement and uh, Neil Magny's activity. Right. Uh, but Jeff Neil definitely did struggle with activity in this fight, and uh, uh, you know part of that can be Neil Magny's length, and a part of that could also be uh, the sickness. But um, I definitely want to see um, Jeff Neil maybe take some time, just get get right, and then uh, come back and. Um, start from scratch and then just uh, try to get back to where he was because he was looking like a really uh, good prospect before uh, he got sick. So, yeah. Well, and look, we saw the length be a giant problem in the wonder boy fight, right? Like that was the biggest thing I think coming out of the wonder boy fight going into this matchup that, that stuck with me was, you know, wonder boy was so good and, and wonder boys this way against everybody, but you know, it's Jeff Neal's not a, a, a you know, a, a long guy. Uh, and then, you know, you go off of the Wonder Boy fight up with that being a pretty glaring issue in that fight to Neil Magny, who also can basically do a lot of the same things in a, in a different way, obviously. But um, I thought there was just a built in like major disadvantage out of the gate uh, in this thing for Jeff Neal. But look, you know, Jeff Neal to me was only going to win this fight with a knockout. Like, I just, I didn't see a path for him to, over the course of 15 minutes, like, have more success than Neil Magny. Obviously, the one time, Will, he really got him. I mean, Neil Magny was wearing the shot to the eye that that landed early. Yeah, Jeff Neal has power. You know, they call him hands of steel. Uh, I mean, he's got power in his hands, power in his feet. Um, when he was able to, to actually get to Neil Magny, he definitely uh, was able to touch him. But, you know, he just couldn't piece uh, enough of those shots together. You know, Neil Magny definitely was able to keep him at bay and uh, was able just to kind of have his way with him. Uh, you know, I thought Neil Magny, after that Kiesa fight, uh, was kind of going to go on a downward spiral. But uh, Neil Magny, uh, 
I mean, he's got what, like the second most, second or third most wins in welterweight history. Yeah. Um, he's always piling up the wins, um, especially in these three round fights. He just uh, goes out there and completely decimates his opponents. Uh, and just that ugly way, like you said, you know, it doesn't look uh, technical. It doesn't look, you know, it just looks ugly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just yeah. like, just like you always say, it just looks ugly. That's the perfect way to describe it. Uh, it's such an unorthodox style. And it's and frustrating, it, it, I think, for the other guy. I think he he frustrates the hell out of his opponents with it. Absolutely. Like, I remember he fought Robbie Lawler, and that's definitely what I took out of that fight when he fought absolutely. Robbie. Just, just completely frustrated him for three rounds and had his way with him. And it's basically the same thing that happened with Jeff Neal. So, uh, I mean, but, you know, now, you know, I'm sure you've heard um, people are talking about Neil Magny fighting your boy Hamzat next. I mean, I feel like that's the fight that should have happened in the first place. Yeah. And now we're circled back. Now Neil Magnus had some momentum. Hamza had some momentum taken away. I feel like that's the perfect fight to make next. I would love that matchup. Um, I mean, you've got, you know, arguably the most, I don't want to say the most, because, you know, the the current champion right now is is reaching this entertainment level with his development every fight that, like, he's like, holy cow, but... Hamzat is as exciting as anybody in that division right now. Like the three times that we've seen him, I mean, it his his style is is must see, right? Edge of your seat action. He can land big power in the punches. Obviously, the ground and pound is suffocating. Um, and then you know, again, the quote unquote ugliness of Neil Magny. Like, is it going to be an exciting fight? Is it going to be an ugly fight? I have no idea. But I, I like the. The contrast there, I like the idea that maybe Magny's length could play a role in that. But again, you know, I think that that potentially is a fight that goes, you know, the same way that the Kiesa fight went for Magny. Um, when you consider, you know, Hamzad has that ability on the ground. So I would love to see it. Yeah, for sure. I just want to see Hamzad in there again. I mean, to be honest with you, but oh. I'm in on that. Yeah, we need to see Hamzad back because he had so much momentum. Like he was... Literally going to fight the number three guy in the world. He was probably close to a title shot if, if he wins that fight. And then just, you know, we haven't seen him since uh, Fight Island and uh, whatever month that was. Like, we haven't seen him in so long. And he was fighting at a, at a crazy pace, like fighting every week, uh, fighting different guys, like moving up weight classes, moving back and forth, and then getting a knockout over Mearshart in 14 seconds. And then his first couple fights, just the ground and pound. Like, that was a, a, a type of ground and pound that I haven't seen from anyone like that it was just so suffocating it was more suffocating than what Khabib would even do like that type of ground and pound and just the way like he wouldn't let these guys breathe get up anything right and they even thought about getting up he was putting them back down so uh I'm I definitely love the idea of Hamza and Neil Magny uh I feel like it would be uh an ugly exciting if that's a thing <laughs> so um I'm definitely curious to see how it would go but yeah, just get Hamza back in there, man. Get that momentum yeah, back. For sure. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time whatsoever on uh, the DeLima-Maurice uh, Green fight. In fact, well, I ended up walking away from this fight on Saturday. Like, I, 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 had, I had a few things I needed to do, and I, you know, like, sometimes I'll wait till commercial <laughs> breaks and get up and, like, you know, go do things. I, I was just like, you know what? I'm good. Uh, I'll come back in, like, 10 minutes and... Uh, Basically, when I came back, they were still doing the exact same thing they were doing when I left. It sounded like the, again, I, I, and I didn't go back and rewatch it either, but it sounded like the broadcast crew was just as frustrated with that fight as I was. Like, I was just like, this is terrible. 
Yeah, uh, that that was bad. I, I did suffer through all three of those rounds. Now I'm not gonna say I was uh, fully locked in on the fights like I would be on uh, any other any other one of these fights. But yeah, just watching it, it was just the same thing. Like you said, you know, uh, Delima pretty much just had his way with him with uh, Maurice Green. And, and you know, like I said, uh, like we were saying last week, we watched Maurice Green a number of times, and he just hasn't won. I, whenever we watch him, he loses. So I was pretty comfortable in picking Delima and not really knowing much about uh, Delima. Uh, and, you know, it just played out just how we expected, you know, just uh, an easy win for Delima. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've already it spent was, too much time was, on that fight, so let's just move on right. to the next one. <laughs> All right. All right, this, uh, this, this was maybe my most uh, – I, I was looking forward to this fight a lot. Gregor Gillespie, Diego Fajeda. Um, obviously you're talking about a guy that was, I mean, on the track to, you know, potentially, I, I don't know exactly how high people thought Gregor Gillespie was going to go. I, I think some people thought maybe he was a, a potential champion at lightweight. Regardless, the guy was undefeated. He was, he was having a really nice career. Uh, and then, you know, he still only has one loss, but it just kind of felt like that one loss was so devastating and, and you watch that division as well in the time that he's been off and all the killers in that division. While he's still ranked, you know, he's kind of forgotten about at 155. So he finally comes back. You have another one of the guys that, that maybe is the most underrated, one of the most underrated fighters at 155 in Fajeda. Um, I thought from a matchup standpoint, this was a massive advantage for Diego Fajeda. Um, the first round, I thought, was completely dominated by Diego Fajeda. What happened in the second round was about as mind-blowing to me as anything we've seen recently uh, when you consider, like, just how dominant it was to literally, like, the gas tank having nothing left. I mean, I was exhausted just sitting in my chair watching these guys in the first round and, like, you know, both of them, it felt like, had an answer to everything. They're both moving. The activity was off the charts. I was like, this is about to be 15 minutes of just pure awesomeness. But I I liked Diego's side of it, and you know I didn't didn't know until um, early that day that he had even missed weight. He missed weight bad. Uh, obviously, that had a massive impact on the gas tank in the second round. But I mean, he literally had nothing left. It was crazy. At the same time, I dude, I'm I, I like Gregor Gillespie a lot, and for a guy that obviously suffered the loss the way that he did, took the amount of time off that he had to take. Uh, for him to be able to come back and get a win, I'm I'm super happy for Gregor Gillespie. But what a wild fight, man! Yeah, that was a crazy wild fight. Uh, I'll tell you, man, when when Gregor started getting hit, and you could just see like it looked like he was gonna get out of there. <laughs> like Diego's hitting him with some crazy shots, and it just seemed like Gregor was gonna drop any with any strike. And then uh, he was they started grappling and just going back and forth uh you know just the scrambles and everything like it was just so crazy and you can on the stool after the first round when i watched gregor i was just like ah man like i think he's probably gonna get knocked out in the i thought he round. was in like, big trouble agreed yeah he looked in big trouble he looked worse to me than diego did uh and then it, just when they when they got out there in the second round, it seemed like a, a switch flipped, and Gregor had all the uh, just caught a second win, and just Diego just had nothing left, and uh, Gregor just was able to uh, rally and and finish the fight, and it was crazy. I was I was very happy for Gregor because after a, a knockout loss like that, 
And then to come back in your next fight and to battle adversity like that, uh, a lot of other fighters would have wilted under that under that pressure. And Gregor came out and uh, uh, was able to get a win. So I'm really happy for him. Um, he was able to to hold a spot in the top 15 after taking a year off um, in a stacked division like that. Uh, and he proved why he deserves that spot. So um, I, I'm happy for Gregor, and I'm excited to see what's next for him. What do you think is next for him? Uh, you know, that's a division that we've had a lot of fun talking about over the last year. Obviously, we're about to finally get a champion on Saturday night in that division. Uh, Justin Gaethje is currently just waiting for something to take place. Uh, we have Poirier and Conor McGregor scheduled. Uh, looking further down, um, we had... I mean, RDA doesn't have anything on the books, I don't believe, right now. Um, you know, Dan Hooker's still out there, Paul Felder, uh, Islam Makashev, who I think is a massive problem right now in that division. Islam Gregor would be interesting if they can't find anybody for Islam that's in the top 10. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure where, where he goes. Man, um... I definitely think he should fight someone probably ranked ahead of him. Um, I would like to see maybe a, a Gregor Gillespie and Paul Felder fight. I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Or, um, man, stick him in there with uh, with the RDA, man. Uh, if I feel like Islam and, R and RDA is probably going to be the fight that we see, but if Islam can't make it back in time, uh, I would love to see uh, RDA and, and Gregor get in there. But, you know, I'm not sure if Gregor will want to fight um, – someone that ranked that uh, much higher than him coming off a win like that. You know, I feel like it was really close and Diego missed weight and everything. So maybe he will want to take another fight. That's kind of uh, with someone who's kind of in that uh, in that area with him. Uh, what is he right now? Like, I don't see 11. RDA taking that fight. Honestly, I think, I think he views his position as he's got one more run to, to win a title. And I don't think he's looking to fight anybody ranked below him. I mean, Right? It, it, to me, it doesn't and make I, sense anyway. If I'm RDA, it makes no sense to me to do that. Yeah, and, and I, I don't blame him. Uh, this is the former lightweight champion yeah. who was champion, defended it three or four times, and uh, now he's back. He's got another win. So technically, uh, you know, he's coming off of uh, – he lost to who um, Eddie Alvarez and Tony Ferguson, and then he comes back and he beats um, Paul Felder. So – if, yeah, if I'm RDA, um, I'm staying put. Maybe try to fight someone ranked ahead of me, but I'm sure you know the UFC will try to get him to fight Islam because we know how big of a star that uh, he could potentially be. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have a lot more answers at 155 after Saturday night. So, uh, yeah, that was dude, that was a fun fight, though. Gillespie, Fajeda, holy cow. I For, for as long as it lasted or, or for as long as we had gas in the tank from both guys... Uh, that first five minutes was fantastic. And then uh, good for Gregor Gillespie to get back in the win column. Um, all right, so we had Amanda Hebos, Angela Hill as the planned start of the main card. That fight didn't take place. It's going to happen later. Uh, instead, we got Phil Hall's Kyle Dacus, which was the fight on the prelims that I was most looking forward to. So uh, I was glad they got a main card opportunity. And that was also, I think, a fun back-and-forth fight against two prospects that I, I feel like have a lot of upside. Um, stylistically, obviously, they bring different things to the table, but um, I, I feel like we've seen moments from both of these guys that that give you a reason to be excited about their futures. 
Absolutely, especially with Phil Hawes. I mean, not just saying that because he won, but Phil Hawes, I mean, from what we've seen of him, he looks like he has the potential to be uh, a star in this sport. He could be a, potentially a future champion if they uh, keep building him right. Um, I, I feel like it's a slow build with what they're doing with him, but I know that he's got a lot of upside. Um, his striking looks good. He just seems very just physically stronger than all of his opponents thus far. And uh, it showed against Kyle Dawkins. You know, Dawkins looked he, – he was taller, but, you know, Phil Hawes definitely just took it to him and uh, got the decision. It was a pretty it was a pretty easy win as far as, you know, he won all three rounds. But Kyle Dawkins was tough, but, you know, Phil Hawes just proved that, you know, He's got a massive, massive upside for sure. Phil Hawes looks like a comic book character, right? Absolutely, like, man. <laughs> the dude has muscles on muscles. I mean, at times I, I almost wonder, like, is he too big? Like, can he, can he, like, exercise all of his athleticism because he almost just looks too muscular? Uh, but, you know, again, obviously the guy has uh, got a, a ton of potential in this sport, and uh, I'm excited to see what's next for him as well. All right, before we uh, get to UFC 262, uh, I mentioned earlier PFL over the weekend. How about uh, Verdum getting robbed? That was bad, man. Like, uh, it, it was a clear tap. Like, there's a difference yeah. between, between because when he, when he got locked into the submission, he started punching. There's a difference between punches and then a tap. Like, he, uh, he clearly tapped him twice and then just, like, tried to play it off and everything, but no. That was definitely a tap uh, for me. Uh, I'm glad that they went and reviewed it and made it a, uh, a no contest or a no decision or whatever uh, they made it. But, yeah, it was a robbery. And then, uh, you know, Verdun took some unnecessary punches that, you know, shouldn't even happen if the ref would have known that it would, there was a tap. So uh, tougher for Doom for his PFL debut. Um uh, he, he locked him in that submission, just always like he does. Very tricky on the ground. Uh, made him submit, but, you know, it's, it's just sad. You, you know we don't see that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just sad for Renew. I felt for him, man. It's really interesting because I think in that format, especially, you know, in the UFC it's a different situation, but in that format, I mean, the goal is to get it done as quickly as possible, right? And to not take a bunch of damage in the process because you have to turn around and fight. You know, you're on a schedule. It's not like you win or lose and then you say, hey, I'll, you know, I'll take off nine months or I'll take off a year or whatever you want to do. I mean, you're on a schedule, so you have to bounce back. So I feel like there is probably more of a concerted effort to, you know, not deliver any unwanted damage to your opponent or not receive any, you know, like, cause again, like it's just the format's completely different. So like on one hand, I'm like, dude, you, you have to, you have to make the guy stop the, you know, you have to make the referee stop the fight. On the other hand, I think in that format, you're probably like a little bit more willing to not do that than you otherwise would, if that makes sense. I mean, I, so I, I feel like your mentality is probably a little bit different because of where you're fighting than it would be otherwise. But at the same time, like this is why there should never be complaining about, you know, these shots that are being delivered or anything happening until the referee stops the fight. And sometimes there are people that get really pissed at somebody for delivering blows when a guy's unconscious, but it's because there's shit like that, that happens that uh, you, you never know. So uh, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's one of those, gray areas if you will of the sport and there's not really a good way around it um but 
you know, again, it's with that format, I, I do think that probably played some sort of role. Yeah, man. And j- just with that, uh, with the referees stopping the fights, like um, Francis was receiving a little bit of, of, of slack for the follow-up shot that he landed on Stipe after he dropped him. But for what it's worth, the referee hadn't stopped the fight, you know, like for same thing with Usman, you know, the follow-up shots that he landed before the referee stopped the fight, like, he had to do it. Like, he, yep. he has to go in there. He has to finish the fight. The referee needs to pull him off. Um, so, you know, for people who, who criticize Kamaru and criticize Francis or these guys get these knockouts and have these follow-up shots, like you said, it's stuff like this that happens is the reason why that uh, the follow-up shots are necessary. Um, and, they're, and they're coached yeah, man, even harder when you see something like that, you know? For sure, yeah. And... So for for Doom, it just really sucks because you you know he's coming from the UFC to PFL. Uh, he's in a big spot in the main event. Um, I'm sure he, he signed a massive contract, and then for him to go in there, pretty much get the win, and then for all that to be taken, just kind of stripped away from him, and then for it to be a loss, like the people are going to remember those nasty shots that were uh, delivered to him. They're not, I mean, I'm sure now that the decision was reversed, we'll know that he did make him tap, but people are going to remember the, him, you know, getting finished and the other guy getting his hand raised. So, you know, it just sucks for him in that aspect. But, um, and then, like, for the season, like, what happens now? Like, you get points and everything for the, for the fight uh, and the standings and stuff. And, like, now, like, what happens with that? Like, it's just all a, a huge shit show now. It just sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. Uh, let's talk about one of the good aspects of PFL, though. Uh, Kayla Harrison. Holy cow. I, I, like, I was just like, whoa. Like, I just watched, uh, I just watched, you know, a hurricane come through. It was just like, <laughs> holy cow. Like, that was, that was really, really impressive. At 155, by the way. Yeah, in a division that we haven't seen, or I know I haven't seen a 155-pound division, Kayla Harrison looks massive, and she looks like she can be a real problem. And it's, it's, and it's to the point where she did what she did. She, uh, after the fight, her post-fight interview, like, this wasn't a, a tournament. This is a coronation. Like, she, like, everything just went perfect for her. Yeah. And now everyone's talking about, yeah, we need to get her in, her in there with Amanda Nunes. Like that's how much, that's how good that she looked. That's how much that she just hit it out the park. Uh, Kayla Harrison, man, a, a former Olympian, like she's got all the potential in the world. Um, it kind of sucks that she's in the PFL, but I understand like she's a 155er and that's the only like right <laughs> promotion that has it. Right. But you know, if I'm the UFC, I want to do whatever I can to get her at some point. Yeah, I mean, even if it's uh, just for like one super fight, you know, something. Holy cow, she's uh, she was really impressive, and and I think, uh, I mean, I, obviously, it feels like this is probably going to continue. She was the champion the last time around, um, so yeah, I, I I don't necessarily see anybody preventing her from uh, winning in dominant fashion the rest of the way and and uh, building the hype around her name. That was uh, that was awesome. Uh, let's, before we make picks, let's hit, uh, a couple of the Bellator fights. Uh, I, I got to start with, uh, the Michael Page kick to Derek Anderson. <laughs> the nose, bro, to see the nose, like, imploded 
that uh, way. I wow, holy cow, man. Okay, Derek Anderson. Uh, he 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 was trying. You know, he was trying to play Michael Venom Page's game a little bit because uh, you know he's a showman. MVP. You know, he, yeah, MVP's a showman, man. He goes out there, does all this unorthodox stuff, and he's looking to counter you. Um, but Derek Anderson kind of wasn't falling into it at first, and he was kind of feeling himself a little too much. But then Michael Venom Page just came out with that kick, and it just it was just a perfectly placed kick. And ah, uh, his nose, man. Just for it just to be going one way and then another way, like, and then it just looked flat, like, ah, it, it was it was just bad. Like, and it, he was tough. He finished the round. I mean, give him credit for being tough as shit, but yeah. it was just tough to see. It was tough to see that. Ah, man. Yikes. We also had a, uh, the Rumble-Johnson fight was also really interesting, and I can't remember the guy who he fought's name uh, off the top of my head, but. This guy, like, I don't know, did he break his hand? Is that what happened? He was basically, like, one-armed, and he was yeah. hurting Rumble. Like, I, I thought he was actually going to get the win. Rumble ultimately turns it around, gets the finish, uh, and gets the victory and moves on. Well, maybe. Uh, there are some uh, some issues that he's <laughs> going to have to deal with outside of uh, of right. the, the sport. But uh, that was that was a bananas fight. Yeah, it, you know, he hit him on top of the head and uh, hurt his wrist, I believe, or hurt his finger, whatever it was. Um, he was trying to throw punches with it, but every time he, he landed one, you could just see it in his face. Like, it hurt him. Like, he was always going back to it. And uh, Rumble noticed that he was hurt, got overzealous, and uh, he got caught. You know, I've never seen Rumble get dropped, but uh, he definitely got dropped. It looked like he was about to get finished. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Rumble, you know, was able to grab a hold of him, get his uh, get his wits back about him, and then in the next round, we saw normal the normal Rumble that we normally see. He lands that uh, straight left overhand right, and uh, got him out of there, man. I'm I'm happy to see Rumble win, but you know, it, it was tough to see him get dropped like that. It, it just makes you wonder what would have happened if Joel Romero was in there, <laughs> right? But that's exactly uh, what I thought. I thought, uh, man, I have a hard time believing Joel doesn't finish that. Yeah, uh, Yoel definitely finishes that. He's got that finishing, those finishing instincts. And this guy is pretty much new to the sport. I believe he only had like seven fights. Um, but uh, he looked good. Uh, but, you know, Rumble, just his experience and his power just kind of uh, yeah. shine through. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens next round uh, if Rumble's able to, to get there yeah. against the champion. So Rumble was arrested and charged with identity theft. Uh, I guess two days ago, maybe. So, yeah, on the 11th. So there you go. Um, what a weird thing that is. Uh, like, <laughs> the guy just fought. Just one. Just one. Knockout. Like, you know, like, rumbles back. And then, yeah. like, within days, the guy's arrested on identity <laughs> theft charges. I guess, like, a stolen credit card that bought, like, the plane tickets. For, oh, I don't know, man. man. What a what that's, a weird deal. That's all bad, man. That's, Not good. That's terrible for Rumble. Not good. And then we had uh, we had Sergio Pettis taking the uh, 145 belt away from Juan Archuleta, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sergio Pettis, man, for, for the longest time, he's been in his brother's shadow. Anthony Pettis, Showtime, 
uh, the guy on the Wheaties box, the former UFC lightweight champion. Um, there was a time when I only knew him as, you know, just, oh, that's Anthony Pettis' brother. Uh, right. Barely knew his first name. Um, but, he, and, but he was good in the UFC, too. You know, he was uh, on the cusp of title shots numerous times. He just couldn't uh, win that fight to get the title shot. Uh, it goes over to, Bell- to Bellator, and now he's a champion. Um, he and I think he's gotten a lot better, man. Uh, just the way that he shut down Juan Archuleta and kind of made a Juan Archuleta fight a, a wild fight, uh, something that we're not used to seeing out of Juan. So um, Sergio definitely looks good. Um, you know, it, it's just good to see him win a championship and kind of just get out of his brother's shadow. And then just to see how happy that Anthony was for Sergio, it was really good to see, man. So yeah. um, Sergio. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen for him next. He called out the uh, champion of Ryzen, uh, Koji Horiguchi, and they normally do cross-promotional fights. So uh, that will be a good fight to see uh, for sure. Yeah. By the way, I said 145, 135. Bantamweight champion yeah, Bellator for yeah. Sergio Pettis. All right. Uh, and last thing we will hit before the UFC 262 picks, Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders on Saturday night. So you told me a week ago that uh, Billy Joe Saunders might be a guy that actually gave Canelo some problems. Uh, I got really excited about this fight. Um, I'll say this. You know, I think a lot of people felt like, I mean, and the odds would suggest this as well, this was going to be another Canelo dominant performance. Canelo didn't dominate the fight until obviously the eighth round when one punch significantly changed potentially a career uh, for that matter, but right. um, to to like in that eighth round, especially to hear the crowd just go bonkers with every punch that Canelo landed. Like I had goosebumps, and Canelo's like getting them excited and trying to get them on their feet. And every shot that landed, the place went wild. Like I loved every second of that. It was awesome. Yeah. Man, just 75,000 fans in attendance uh, for Canelo Alvarez. Like, and I, I, I really don't feel like there was one uh, Billy Joe Saunders fan out there. I can re- honestly say that. It just seemed like it was a unanimous crowd for Canelo Alvarez. The crowd was going crazy for him. Um, and I think it was, it, I think it was tied uh, 3-3 um, going into the seventh. Uh, I think Canelo won the seventh. And then in the eighth round, yeah. I think he was just like, fuck this. Yeah. Um, it's time to go to it's time to go to work. It's time to put this away. Uh, and I think uh, the crowd started sensing it as well. I mean, Canelo was getting the crowd involved and, and uh, Canelo just kind of wiped just kind of wiped him out in that eighth round. Um, you know, for, for a while, I wanted to say that, um, you know, the Earl Spence's of the world, Terrence Crawford's, you know, I, I always felt like maybe they're the, the pound for pound best because, you know, I just kind of felt like boxing kind of has this favoritism towards Canelo, but now that I've actually started to really watch his fights, I'm on board with Canelo Alvarez, man. That's, I think he's the best, man. Canelo, he, he's got it, man. P for P King, Canelo Alvarez. Um, I, I will say this about the broadcast. It wasn't a blowout, obviously, like most people expected. And I think because it wasn't a blowout, the broadcast was making it sound like Billy Joe Saunders was winning the fight. And I thought that was, it kind of felt a little bit ridiculous as far as the broadcast part of that went, because while Billy Joe Saunders was fighting a really good fight and was way more competitive than anybody gave him credit for, 
Like this idea that he was literally in the ring beating Canelo Alvarez at that point was just insane to me. So like, I think sometimes there's this, if, if you have expectations of somebody being like so bulletproof that like, you know, if, if they're not like just completely dominant, then it's like almost, you think like they're not winning. Uh, and I, I just, I didn't see the correlation. Like, yes, Billy Joe Saunders was fighting a good fight. Yes. He was competitive. Um, you know, yes, it was a close fight. Like, I'm not going to argue that it wasn't a close fight, but this idea that he was winning the fight to me was just crazy. Yeah, agreed, man. Uh, I think, just like you said, um, when you go out there and, and you're a dominant champion, uh, you know, Canelo's a champion of so many different divisions, um, number one pound, pound fighter in the world, most popular fighter in, uh, in boxing. He needs to hire so a body double to wear half of those belts in his, his post-fight uh, interviews, right? Man, like it, it, it's crazy. Like he's got so many titles. Like and and so you go out there, you're Billy Joe, and you're making a good case for yourself. But and and the broadcast, they see uh, that Billy Joe's having a good fight, and I think they're just really surprised that he's having a good fight. But yeah. it's not such a good fight that he's actually winning all these rounds or making Canelo look stupid or anything like right. that. Like this was a fight that Canelo was winning. And then uh, eventually he got uh, Billy Joe out of there. But Billy Joe was in the fight. It wasn't uh, a wipeout like we've seen um, in some of Canelo's past fights. Like I think the past two or three Canelo fights I've seen, um, he pretty much got him out of there in like the first three. Yeah, or four just a buzzsaw. Yeah, just complete yeah. domination. Yeah. So I think with that aspect, um, I think uh, the the broadcast was a little surprised that Billy Joe was doing so well. But I think they kind of overdid it just a little bit. Yeah. For sure. Uh, by the way, um, busted his eye socket, bro. Nah, like the guy, man. there's a chance the guy never fights again. Yeah, and and I see people say like, "Oh, Billy Joe, uh, he could have went back out there." Like, nah, man. Like, I, I looked at his eye. I was like, "Yeah, this this fight's over." Like, there's no way he's getting up right. off that stool. Um, you know, and he was in that fight, so I, there's nothing for me to even think like he wanted no more parts of that fight. Like Billy Joe was in the fight. Um, I know that he wanted to go out there and finish it, but if you can't go out there and fight a guy like Canelo Alvarez with one eye, <laughs> that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. You're so, going to get re you're um, going to get very badly hurt. And look, I, I thought that Canelo was winning the fight anyway. And that was with right. a Billy Joe Saunders that was in a rhythm that was fighting a good fight and could see out of both eyes. What do you right. think was going to happen the rest of the way when he couldn't see out of one of his eyes, like he literally, he may never fight again. That takes a whole nother turn. If he takes a couple more shots, like I, I don't think people like had a grasp of, you know, how dangerous Canelo Alvarez is or, or, you know, the, the impact that those shots or that one shot had. Yeah. And just seeing them like uh, try to open it. Like he was trying so hard to just to get it open. And yeah, like it was just, it was bad, man. Uh, he couldn't see out of it. You know, I'm glad that they stopped it because if he would have went back out there, Canelo just would have decimated him. Yeah. Uh, it would have been all bad. And it could have really threatened like the rest of his life. So I'm glad that they stopped it. Um, so, and, and now, you know, Canelo's uh, got, I think he's got one more uh, title to go after. Caleb Plant. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's crazy because with boxing, like there's so many different promotions, right? so many different champions and all these promotions. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to keep track. That's why Canelo's got so many damn belts. Right. <laughs> so 
Um, he's got one more belt, and then he's going to unify all the titles. And it's, it's just crazy to even think. Could you imagine, like, going into UFC 262 if, if like, Chandler, Oliveira, Ferguson, and uh, Darius all showed up with, like, a 155 belt? Yeah, I mean... Like, yeah, we're all, we're all champions it, right? at 155. <laughs> like, yep. We're all 155 champs. Yeah, it would just Come take, on. like, some sting out of it. And then, like... Uh, Ferguson's got four belts. Darius has got two belts, and Chandler's got right. five belts, and Oliveira's got three belts. It's like, what are we even doing here, man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah, I, I, I hope they make the Caleb Plant fight. Um, look, if you're Caleb Plant, like, I, I've actually seen him fight a couple times. Like, I, I, I like the guy. I think he's uh, a good fighter. He's not Canelo Alvarez. If the goal is to make money, there's never going to be a bigger fight than Canelo Alvarez. So you can either not make the money and just go on continuing to beat these, you know, everyday boxers and be the the champ. Or you can go fight a guy that, you know, is probably going to beat you and get your massive payday. And and maybe you win. But I don't understand the, like, the thought process of not wanting to fight this guy because you just want to, like, continue to be the champ in a sport where, you know, obviously we're having this conversation right now. Like there's so many belts. Like, are you really the champ though? Are yeah, you really the champ though? Are you really the champ? Yeah. <laughs> if you're done, if you're not trying to fight a guy who's got, who's a champion in your same weight class, yeah. who's got basically all the belts, you have a chance to go out there and take all those belts from him yeah, and go get paid and, and go get paid on top of that. Like to me, that's, that's an easy choice for me. Go out there, Fight the best, prove you're the yeah. best. If not, you get a massive payday. <laughs> yeah. Either way. For sure. I'm I'm convinced that somehow this is gonna turn into uh Canelo Alvarez, uh Jake Paul. So just be ready for that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is that not the, the fight to make? The two best boxers in the entire sport going at it? Maybe the two biggest draws in the entire sport. <laughs> definitely the two biggest draws. I definitely think that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, are you ready for uh, UFC 262? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. You have the lead 55-49 in our pick'em, which means you select first. Um, Will, the last time we had a pay-per-view, we had three fights that were worth three pointers. All main events and all title fights are worth three points in our pick'em. Uh, so you were able to get the lead with uh, with the uh, Rose over Wei Lee main event. Uh, so you got that one right. That gave you the lead. And then last week's main event, Marina Rodriguez over Michelle Waterson gave you three more. So six point lead for you. So you will select first. We have four one pointers. And then obviously Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler is a three pointer. We start the main card of UFC 262 in the bantamweight division as uh, I guess this is a short notice fight for Matt, uh, Matt Schnell and uh, Rogerio Bontarin, uh, normally flyweights, but I think it's short notice, so they're going to fight at 135. Matt Schnell, the number eight flyweight against the number nine flyweight, Rogerio Bontarin. Schnell is 15-5 and five overall. Bontarin, 16-3 and three overall. Schnell is a minus 165 favorite. Bontarin, plus 135. Mr. Brewer, your selection, please. Yeah, so this is kind of like that... Uh... Rodriguez Watterson debacle, you know, with the whole, you know, short notice, they're yeah. fighting up a weak class. Um, man, this one's tough, but uh, 
especially with it being on short notice because there's so many questions that go into it. I think I'm just going to go ahead and pick Matt Schnell. I think uh, I've seen more of him, uh, so I think I'll uh, I'll go I'll roll with Schnell on this one. All right, Matt Schnell across the board here. Uh, just a guy that I, I think is. Uh, just a, a little bit more polished overall than uh, than Bonterin. So uh, I like this fight, though. It should be a lot of activity. It should be a, a busy fight. Uh, but I like Matt Schnell's side of things to start things off. All right, featherweights at 145. We have number nine, Shane Burgos, 13-2 and two overall against number 13, Edson Barboza, 21-9 and nine overall. Shane Burgos is a minus 140 favorite. Barboza plus 115. Man, uh, this one's tough. I, I definitely feel like this is going to be fireworks. This has potential to be fight of the night. Um, you know, Shane Burgos always brings it. Um, we, we've seen him in that war with, uh, who was he in there with? Was it Calvin Cater that he was in there with? Uh, or? I, well, that one, Josh Emmett, I think was the last Josh one. Josh Emmett, that, yeah. was, that was the last one. Josh Emmett, yeah, that, that was a war. Um, so I definitely expect fireworks. Edson Barbosa. Um, I definitely I feel like he beat Dan Ige in his first featherweight fight. It was really close, but I feel like Edson did enough to win it. Um, they gave it to Dan Ige. Um, I'm not mad at it, but uh, I definitely thought Edson did enough to win. Um, you know, fighting fighting down a weight class at 145, Edson's definitely looked pretty good, uh, and, and he needs this one if he really wants to move up. Um, this one's tough, man, because, you know, with Shane Burgos, it can end at any, at any moment. But Edson's so dangerous with his kicks. Um, I'm going to go Edson. I'm going to go with the underdog. All right, I like it. Uh, I wrestled with this one as well, and today I settled on Shane Burgos for me. So, um, look, I, I think Edson has looked good. Uh, he looks big and strong and fast in this, in this weight class. Uh, but... I just feel like he's on the wrong side of his trajectory, whereas I think with Shane Burgos, we are still seeing him at at a, a really high level. And look, the guy's tough as nails. He's going to have to be to to beat Edson Barboza. But I think not only is he tough, not only can he take punches, but uh, I love his activity. I, I just think that, uh, I, I, again, I, I like the incline for him and where he's at in his career versus Barbos, I think is just ultimately the difference for me. But like you said, I think uh, this is certainly one of those fight of the night uh, contenders without a doubt. Yeah, it's going to be a war for sure. Uh, I, I can just imagine just Edson just throwing everything into these leg kicks and then Burgos just coming over with the overhand right. I just feel like they're just going to be dropping each other. Uh, it's going to be a war. Uh, it's going to be a shame that it's only three rounds, but um, I, I do expect a finish. I don't know uh, which round, but I think there will be a finish. I think nice. this fight just calls just calls for a finish. I like it. I like it. All right, women's flyweights. We have number two Caitlin Chukagian, fifteen and four overall against number seven Vivian Araujo, ten and two overall. Will Vivian is a plus one fifteen underdog. Caitlin Chukagian minus one forty favorite. Man. Um... I just think uh, with this flyweight division, there's Valentina, there's Valentina, and then there's everyone else, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think Caitlin Chukagian is really like the best of everyone else, um, outside of like Jessica Andrade, of course. But um, I think Caitlin Chukagian is that is that fighter that everyone's going to run into and just lose to. 
yeah. um, on their way to the top. Uh, so my pick is going to be uh, Caitlin Shukagian. Caitlin for me as well. And and you literally took the words from me. I was going to say it's uh, it's Valentina and then Caitlin is best of the rest, right? Like it's there's clearly right. like nobody on Valentina's level, but I also don't necessarily feel like in that same tier, there's there's many people on Caitlin's level either. So um, she's better than everybody else, but she's not as good as Valentina, um, which, right. you know, it's it's uh, probably a frustrating thing to, for her, but uh, I, I like her in this fight. I, I don't know that uh, right now against anybody else, I'd pick against her in that division. Yeah, uh, and when when she fought against Jessica Andrade, I was picking to Caitlin Chukagan, just the power of Jessica and the, and the body shots got to her, but uh, Kaylin's really good. Um, yeah, I, I don't see anyone in that division being there outside of the champ. Yeah. All right, our co-main event, the final two fights of the night are at lightweight. Uh, this one just, I mean, has war all, written all over it. Number five, Tony Ferguson, 25-5 and five overall. Number nine, Benil Dariush, 24-1. and one. So both of these guys, uh, a ton of experience. Both of these guys have been in a ton of wars. Um, and both of them, I think, just kind of enjoy being in those kind of fights. Dariush is a minus 185 favorite. Tony per- Ferguson, plus wow. 150, Will. Wow, okay. Uh, I did not think Benil would be a favorite. That's that's pretty wild to me uh i mean i guess uh Benilla has won uh, about i think like four in a row and and tony's lost his uh last two um man this one i've been going back and forth on this one because i do expect a war and i think it's gonna be ugly you know because it's just with the style of tony how he just moves around and all the uh, unorthodox strikes that he throws and then you know uh Benil just you know, we've seen his style. Just he just gets in wars like in every fight now. Um, like there's a, there's a little bit of a part of me that wants to think like th- there's going to be some technical skill shown in this fight, but I, I I just at the end of the day I don't see it. Right. Um, because I feel like Benil technically is better than Tony, but I feel like in a in a war sense, uh, I feel like it favors Tony a bit. Um. But Benil's got the power also. So it, ah, there's so many questions. Um, this this is one of those that I hate picking first. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I'm going to roll with the underdog. I'm going to go with uh, Tony Ferguson. Very nice. Very nice. Benil Darius for me. And this would be one that obviously I, I wouldn't be disappointed if I were on the wrong side of this. Uh, you know, I think we all like love Tony Ferguson and what he means uh, to the sport and that division and just, you know, the the great fights that he's been in, you know, over the course of his career. Um, he's he's just that guy, right? Like every time Tony Ferguson's in a fight, you know that something like crazy is going to happen and you're going to be entertained. Like when I think about Tony Ferguson in the UFC, I think about the movie Gladiator where Maximus is like, are you not entertained? Like that's <laughs> who Tony Ferguson is. Um, You know, I, I really felt like the Gaethje fight, he just got beat up so badly. I don't know. I don't know if in any way the confidence was rattled going into the Oliveira fight. I don't know if maybe he just wasn't completely recovered, period, you know, at, on all parts of it from that fight. But, I mean, that was a, a just beating, you know, for, for five rounds until it was finally stopped. Uh, 
And then Charles Oliveira just completely dominates him in a way that we're just like, I was literally shocked to watch him get dominated by Charles Oliveira the way that he did. My, my biggest question is, is, is Tony Ferguson still the same guy or, you know, we kind of referenced this a little bit earlier with Cowboy, like did something in that Gaethje fight, like just take something out of him that maybe he never gets back or, you know, maybe it's just gone for a while and, and he'll at some point regain his form. I don't know the answer to that. I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see Tony Ferguson win this fight and win it in impressive fashion because I think he has that inside of him. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I can't get the image of of what we've seen from him the last ten rounds that he's fought uh, against Oliveira and Gaethje, and to get into the kind of fight that I think these guys stylistically are going to get into, he's not going to quit. But like Darius is, I think, going to deliver more punishment over the course of these guys having these exchanges, and that to me is the thing that that really sticks out. I, I think that. Ferguson is probably the tougher guy. Ferguson is probably the guy that can take more punishment, but I also just don't see him delivering as much the other way as Benil Dariush. So, like I said, I'd like to be wrong here, um, but I'm going to go Benil Dariush in this fight. Yeah, this fight, it, it's really close, man. And then there's just so many questions with Tony. Uh, I think maybe uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, like, that we probably wouldn't be even thinking twice about it. Like, oh, yeah, Tony's going to win this one. But, you know, just after that Gatekeep fight, uh, like you said, uh, everything that was taken out of him, all those shots that he took and was just still, like, even the announcers, like, a punch would land, and they're just like, oh, like, oh. like, he, like it, it was like he was a zombie, right? Like, he's just eating these massive shots and, like, just still standing there somehow. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know yeah. how he was upright. In that fight, but he he, you know, again, the guy's tough as nails, tough as they come in this sport. Absolutely tough as nails. It was just to the point, even after like the first or second round, Trevor Whitman told Justin Gaethje, "Like, hey man, you're trying to kill him. Like, just take some off your punches, man." <laughs> like, Justin Gaethje was hitting him with some crazy shots, and it, it continued for five rounds until the referee just finally was just like, "Okay, like yeah. you're not gonna go down, but you've had enough." Like, right. Um. And, yeah, it, it seemed like, you know, that fight might have taken a lot out of him. Uh, Charles Oliveira definitely uh, decimated him over three rounds, um, had him in a, in a tight arm bar where it looked like his arm was about to break. And then Tony did I didn't turn my head on that, ended. by the way. I was like, nope, I can't watch. I thought it was about to yeah. get really ugly. That was bad. And then, like, Tony did not tap. Like, that just goes to show, like, yeah. how tough he is. Um, but – I think uh, he's got. Um, I think he's got something left in him. I think he can go out there, uh, pick up his pace again. Um, he's he's normally overwhelmed people with his pace, with his unorthodox striking. Um, I think he can get back to that, and uh, hopefully we see it uh, because you know everyone loves Tony Ferguson, no, no matter how cuckoo he is. <laughs> I mean, that's what we love about him, right? Like it's absolutely yeah. He's he's that guy that will go to a depth that none of us, I feel like, can even fathom. Yeah, he, he's that guy, and he'll go and he'll show us that there's a level that you can reach. That if you really set your mind to it, that you can reach inside yourself. Uh just like just on the punch that he took against Gage, like I, yeah. I keep thinking back to that. Like that one of those last punches that he landed, and then just just to see Tony was still trying to move, and he was so like, like his head was like, like shaking. His head was yeah, yeah, his head was shaking. Like oh, that was just seeing that image again in my head is oh man. 
I mean, it, that was literally one of those fights where I was like, like it was all time great performance from, like, from Justin Gaethje. I was like, that's one of the best performances I've ever seen. Like Gaethje was just spot on with everything he threw. Like everything he threw was tight and sharp and powerful and landing. And the fact that Tony was standing there the whole time and ate them all, I was just like, what do you have to, like, I've never been more impressed by somebody than Justin Gaethje tonight. And Tony's still standing there. Like, you can't put this guy away. He's, he's like a zombie. Like, you just, nothing you can do will take his soul. And, uh, you know, that's that's why we love Tony Ferguson. So, um, I, I just don't know if, like, I, I, I think that he can take as much as Benil will, will deal out. I just don't know on the offensive side of it if he can match Benil over the course of this fight. So, yeah, that that's the question. But what I'm what I'm thinking is, uh, the first round is definitely gonna tell us a lot. But um, Tony's always been a guy that kind of gets better as the fight goes on. So if he can uh, withstand that first round, I think yeah. we'll really get to see Tony get started. Um, and then maybe uh, not having the fans in attendance uh, was working against Tony. Maybe that yeah. will um, play a factor. And uh, as he feels the energy of the crowd, that that will give him that extra something that he hasn't really had in his in his two uh, two losses. That's so a great point. We'll see. Great point. All right. Uh, so you have Ferguson. I have Dariush. Uh, the other one we are on the opposite sides of. I have Shane Burgos. You have Edson Barboza, which takes us to our three point main event one fifty five championship fight. We have. Number three, Charles Oliveira, 30 and eight overall against number four, Michael Chandler, 22 and five. Charles Oliveira is a minus 140 favorite. Michael Chandler plus 115. Will Brewer, your pick for the lightweight championship. Oh man, this one, out of all of these fights, this one has probably got to be the toughest one to pick because um, man, Charles has looked so good with his striking, and we know he, his jujitsu base. And then uh, Michael Chandler, we know he's got championship experience. Um, coming from Bellator, being the champion for uh, how long he was. Uh, coming into the UFC, just how calm he was. Um, with all that pressure that was on his back. Um, coming into Fight Island, doing what he did against Dan Hooker. Um, man. This one's tough. Um, the styles, you know, it, it's just weird. Um, ah, they mesh so so strange. Um, strange and beautifully, right? Strange and beautifully, for sure. Yeah. Um, because you know, Michael Chandler's a wrestler, and then Charles Oliveira is uh, is great with jujitsu, right? But I just don't know how much this fight's going to be played on the ground. So I think maybe if if one guy is just like desperate for it, that it'll go to the ground. But I feel like this will be more of a striking matchup, especially early. So um, I think um, that favors Michael Chandler. So, ah, man, Charles Oliveira looks so good, man. Mm. Damn. Ah, uh, man, this is tough. Okay, I'm going to go with um, Charles Oliveira. All right, Charles Oliveira as the 155 champion. That's a good pick. 
<laughs> but I'm going to take Michael Chandler. Uh, everything you said, I think, is is exactly right. And I think the difference on the feet, I like Michael Chandler better on the feet. Uh, I think there's more power. I like his pressure. Um, I think that, uh, I think Charles Oliveira will have a hard time dealing with the stand-up pressure that Michael Chandler is going to bring. And and obviously, from a power standpoint, I think it's uh, pretty decisive on, on Michael Chandler's side of things. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying there isn't a path for Charles Oliveira to win this, but I actually, I, I feel good about Michael Chandler in this fight and this matchup. Yeah, I, I was pretty conflicted on this. Um, I literally just made the pick when I made it. Um, ah, it it's so tough because, you know, Charles has looked so good. And, uh, you know, I remember I picked against him against Tony and that performance that he had against Tony was just so good. Phenomenal. And on top of that, um, you know, like it's, look, look, Charles Oliveira wasn't even in the title picture before that fight, right? Like right. he wasn't. This was a division that was just loaded at the top, and and there was, I mean, he was what like number seven, I think, at the time, maybe. Right. And he was so impressive against Tony Ferguson that he's he's fighting for the belt. Like that's how good he was in that fight. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, and he and he's won uh, eight in a row. Um, in this division and he's been a guy who's been in the in the in the game since 2010 um this is Shot's long time coming for sure uh he's been through it all uh different weight divisions uh going in going in there against the toughest guys um and, it, and it, it's crazy to me that he has a, a 30 and 8 record because i would have thought that it was would looked uh a little different but uh olivera man I'm, I'm I'm putting my cards with Oliveira. I think a lot of people are picking Chandler because I think um, there's a lot of uh, great potential matchups for Michael Chandler if he wins. Uh, and I feel like not a lot of people are, are picking Oliveira, but, I, you know, I, I'm just optimistic that Oliveira will get it done. Yeah, I, 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 like, thought about this fight a lot, and I was conflicted for a while, but, like, when I really started to boil it down as to what kind of fight I thought this was going to be, I just, I, you're, I, I mean, one's a wrestler, one, you know, that you mentioned the submission game for Oliveira. I just, I don't see it going to the ground that often. Uh, and, you know, I think Chandler's, you know, short and stout, and, you know, he has pressure. He's not easy to hit, I don't think. And, you know, I just... I think that st- that stand-up style against Charles Oliveira will be tough to match when you know for as long as it's standing. So if if Charles can, Oliveira can get it on the ground, then I think that opens uh, you know another door. But uh, it, you know I could be completely wrong, but I, I do I, I feel like the stand-up edge for me at least feels like it's solidly on Michael Chandler's side. Yeah, I, I can agree with that for sure. Um... The stand-up is on is on his side, but uh, I think Charles. Every time that we've seen him, his striking has gotten just uh, that much better. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll get to see the best version of Charles Oliveira that we've that we've ever seen. Um, but you know, one thing that I question uh, on making this pick is um, the crowd factor. I don't know um, how Charles Oliveira is going to perform being in such a big spot with the fans um, in, in attendance. Uh, That's true. With the championship fight, you know, I know Michael Chandler has been there, done that, fought in front of fans. He's lost in front of fans. Uh, he's seen it all. You know, he, he's been in this sport a long time. 
But you know, this is kind of, this is the first time for Charles Oliveira. This is his first title shot, so people react differently to these title shots. So I'm curious to see how he does, but uh, I'm I'm putting it all in Charles Oliveira's hands, man. I got faith in you, Charles. Very nice, very Let's nice. All right, so we have five fights on Saturday night. Uh, we're on the same side of Matt Schnell and Caitlin Chukagian's fights, but uh, the other three, man, there are points up for grabs. So, uh, best case scenario, I win all three, and I'm still down by a point. So, that's uh, you have a six-point lead. We have a three-pointer and then two one-pointers available. So, you will still have the lead going into next week, but question is, does it grow? Is it cut down? Is it a single point? We'll find out Saturday night. Well, at least I'll still have the lead next uh, next week. <laughs> but man, uh, if Michael Chandler goes out there and and, and wins, and then like, what if I'm just wrong on all, on all three of these? Like, I'm not even gonna feel like I have the lead anymore, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna be making these picks next week. Like, damn, Kobe's on my ass. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, all three of those fights, like, I, I feel like most of the week I really wrestled with and felt conflicted about, and it's funny because today's our day to make the picks, and, like, I woke up this morning and, like, I, I really felt like I kind of solidly landed on one side of, of each one of those, so. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like I kind of knew where you were going to go, and especially with the main event, and I feel like... um I wanted to pick Charles just so we could be opposite each other. <laughs> um, as far as Tony, man, I just I'm just holding out a little bit of hope. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's been around a long time, but you know, are we really seeing the end, like the beginning of the end for Tony? I mean, this is a question that's definitely going to be answered on Saturday. And then Shane Burgos, Essen Barbosa. I mean, it just kind of it just kind of depends on what you like. I mean, yeah, the the brawl style of, of Shane or just like the the kicks and of everything of Edson Barbosa. I mean, it's going to be a war. I think all three of these fights are going to be wars, and uh, we'll definitely uh, be excited for all three of them. One last point on Tony uh, versus Darius. Even if we didn't have any questions about Tony, and the last two fights hadn't happened, like Darius is a dangerous dude anyway. Right, like if if we had never watched Tony lose, like this is still one of those fights where it's like that guy on the other side is also, you know, loves to get in these wars, loves to deliver damage, will take damage, will put himself at risk to be able to land big shots. I, I think that even without the question marks for me, I would probably pick Tony, but that's a tough fight. Like it's not a guarantee one way or the other anyway. But then you add the questions back into the equation. And again, for me, it just, it, it kind of makes me settle on, on the Darius side. Yeah. But you know, for, for me, yeah, Darius is really, really tough. But like before Tony lost to Gaethje, like, <coughs> excuse me, before he lost to Gaethje, like he was decimating everyone. Like I remember there was like this post somewhere and it just showed all of the people's faces that he had fought like his last like seven or eight people and all of them just looked like they had been in a train wreck or something like tony was just going out there and completely dominating all of his opponents um so i just think i know how tough the darius is but i think that at the time uh i view tony on just another level than yeah. everyone outside of outside of khabib um but, you know, now with all these questions, you know, I still feel like Tony can still be that guy. Yeah. But um, he just has to get uh, 
back offensive, you know, get active again because he's definitely been missing that in his fights. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, he's the guy that never stops, right? Like, he's the energizer, but he's the guy that's constantly throwing things at you. And uh, the last two fights, it's been completely taken to him. So, and another guy that will do the same thing if if he doesn't, you know, manage that part of it. Yeah, Darius is going to bring it to him just just the same way that Gaethje and and Charles Oliveira did. Um, But I think this time... Uh, especially with the fans in attendance, I think Tony will want to go out there and yeah. um, be be himself again. So we'll just have to see, man. All right, give me your fight of the night. Man. What will give us tough. the most I mean, entertaining fight of these main card selections? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go Tony Benio, man. I just don't yeah. – out of all three of them, I think that that's the one that's just going to be the, the most wild. I don't I know mean, how it can't be, right? Like, with those two styles, right. I don't know how you get a non, like, holy shit, this is a crazy fight type scenario. Um, I do think Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos is also going to be, like, a bloody war. I, I, yes. I, I just – I feel Absolutely. like both guys are going to be bleeding. Both guys are going to get beat up, and it's going to be one of those, like – Oh my God! Type moments, but uh, I yeah, I, I don't know how you could bet against Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush. Like that's what they do every time these guys are out there. They right. both are in wars. So like now you match them up against each other. It's just like, of course it's going to be a war. Of course it's going to be a war. Absolutely. And uh, I feel like Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa is going to be wild for as long as it lasts. But I think that that's going to be yeah. a, a finish. I think Tony Benil is going to be bananas from. I don't think there's going to be a finish. It's going to be a bananas from round one to round three. And we're just going to be like, wow, like that shit was so crazy. Um, yeah. It's going to be a war. I, for, at first, I kind of hoped that maybe they would give that five rounds to replace the, the Leon Edwards-Nate Diaz yeah. fight. But then I thought, you know what? L- leave it at three so these guys can really like not have to pace themselves for 25 minutes and really just like let it all out. Uh, so I, do, I, you know, I think I landed on three rounds maybe being the better situation. Yeah, even though five rounds would be would be great, yeah. and after three, after three rounds of these guys will probably be like, oh, I wish there, it was five rounds. But uh, I think three rounds with Ferguson and Darius just definitely going to deliver for sure. Yeah. I mean, because even though you know, especially like Ferguson, Ferguson could go thirty minutes, forty minutes probably, but you you still have to be aware, you know, on some level of of your gas tank when you're fighting the longer fights. So. You know, I don't know to what degree that potentially takes away from what you would normally do, you know, if it were only 15, but I imagine in some way it, it plays a, a role. I don't know the significance of it, but uh, yeah. So 15 minutes, these guys don't, you know, they don't have to pace themselves for this 25-minute, five-round, you know, what's going to happen if we if we end up in the fifth in the championship round scenario. They just get to go do their thing. Yeah, they, they just get to do their thing. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be pretty. That's for sure. I definitely feel like there's gonna be blood spilled. Um, the violence of the sport's gonna be shown uh, on this card, uh, not just with this fight. Um, man, I remember uh, just earlier today I saw that uh, John Eddick uh, posted a picture of his shirt uh, that he was wearing when Tony Ferguson fought Anthony Pettis. And some one of their one of their one of those guys' blood got on his shirt, and he's kept it ever since. Like it's gonna be a war like that. Tony's in wars like that all the time. 
So um, I'm expecting a war like that again. Yeah, should be fun. Always good stuff, my friend. I will. Uh, I'll be texting you Saturday night. Man, for some reason, I don't have a good feeling about this, and I feel like you have a great feeling about this about this weekend. I, I actually do. I I, I feel I solid about all five of my picks. So you know what? I I mean, there have been times that I felt good about it in the past, and then you know, Marina Rodriguez knocks out Amanda Hebos. So uh, you know, it, it may not go in my favor, but I I do I do feel pretty good about uh, my five selections. So. Yeah, and I was so back and forth on them that I'm just like, I'm not as confident as, as I would like to be. So, all right, man. Well, I'm sure we'll be texting this this weekend. Hopefully, I'll be texting with some good energy because my guys won. Hey, this fight card, I mean, no matter which way it goes, it won't disappoint. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun either way. So, uh, nobody really loses on Saturday night. That's the good part. Absolutely. This fight card is going to be amazing, man. From start from start to finish, even the prelims, like uh, Jock Ray's on the prelims, Lando Venata is always fun, uh, Valentina's sister's on the uh, prelims. So uh, from start to finish, this card is going to be amazing, man. I can't wait. All right. He is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels, and we'll be back next week. Thanks to Will Brewer for joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for, and they have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So any questions you have about these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to reach out to Artisan Botanicals, 405 458-9699, and we're saving you 15% when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com, discount code ColbyShow at checkout for 15% off your online order. Once again, abotanicalcompany.com, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody stay safe, have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.